welcome to the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com. Pregame.com. Broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Vegas, baby. With your host, R.J. Bell. I saw him on ESPN. Can I call Marco Daddy? VR seems wild. Welcome to another edition of the Sports Betting Preview Show, a pregame.com podcast. This is your host, Marco D'Angelo, and I am joined by Las Vegas expert, Vegas runner, sports betting uh, legend here on the Las Vegas Strip with us. Uh, lucky win last night. I'll talk to him about that one later. <laughs> a little sore spot with me. And Stephen Nover, a journalist and longtime professional handicapper here in Las Vegas, very well respected on the Las Vegas Strip. And, of course, yours truly, Marco D'Angelo. I'm setting in this week for our regular host, R.J. Bell. He had some CEO work to do this week. Uh, that's what he's told us. But, you know, I still think that it's a little bit of uh, he's still distraught from having to pay off his bet to me at the Bellagio on Friday night. But we'll let that go for when he's back and can defend himself. It's uh, – Conference finals in the NBA playoffs, guys. Uh, we've got the Lakers and the Nuggets. Uh, we are taping on Wednesday, so game one of the Nugget-Lakers series is in the books, and we'll talk about that briefly. And, of course, we got the game one of Orlando and Cleveland tonight. Cavaliers and LeBron taking on the Orlando Magic, who went into Boston and spanked them in game seven. Uh, VR, what do you think uh, – We'll recap quickly last night's game, uh, game one of the Lakers and Nuggets. What did you see out of that series, and what do we got to look forward to? Denver just is not deep enough. If you look at that team, I think that's their number one weakness. Their bench scored a total of 16 points, where the Lakers' you know, backups came in and put about 30 up on the board. In a seven-game series, I believe that's huge. That's why I wasn't one to jump all over this Denver team to win the series like a lot of people were. The other thing I, I saw... Um, I just cannot see how Denver's going to be able to advance. They held the Lakers to 41% shooting in L.A. Um, while Denver shot almost 49%. Denver took 35 free throws. L.A. took only 24. And yet, L.A. came out with a two-point win. If you played that good of a game and were not able to beat L.A., it just does not look promising that they're going to advance to the championship. At least that's what I saw, and I had Denver. Well, unfortunately, and that's one thing here about us at pregame, we don't hide from our losses, and uh, we definitely tell you when we win, and uh, I've made a history of telling you when I lose. Uh, I'll tell people, and I had the Lakers last night, and I had them as my Western Conference uh, game of the year. I really thought, the con- you know, I like Denver a lot. I mean, I've been the – guy riding their uh, all series uh, the first two rounds and said that they were live at 20 to 1 in the future bet but I felt last night first game that going out of the Houston series I mean let's face it Houston had the perfect style of play to give the Lakers problems they played a deliberate game they pounded it inside they played physical with them that's not Denver's game and I really thought changing back to the tempo that the Lakers like that the Lakers in playing Denver is more like playing themselves and they would be able to handle Denver in that first one I thought the line was going to was short based on public perception the media just has fallen in love with Denver they're all jumping on the bandwagon right now especially since 
the Lakers struggled in those couple games against the Rockets. And, you know, I agree. Denver played an absolutely perfect game last night and still come up short. Steven, what do you think for an underdog team? Will that have a carryover effect on them throughout the, you know, the series that they played as good as they did and come up empty? It very well could, Markel. I don't trust Denver's mindset. Uh, We've talked about this before on the podcasts, that in the NBA, unlike baseball or football with the NFL, teams just can't come out of uh, certain tiers and win the whole thing. It's a step-by-step process. Denver has made the championship series now. Kudos to them. But for them to ask them to go all the way, beat the Lakers, and then play in the championship series, it doesn't usually work that way. Uh, I agree with you. The one thing that they do have, and, and, you know, we don't want to beat it to death, but Chauncey Phillips, when they made that trade, they gave them that veteran leader that has been on the Detroit Pistons teams, that he's got, you know, the experience that he's going to be crucial for this young team. Uh, He's got to take them on their shoulder and, and be the voice of reason in the locker room and calm, you know, calm them down. I agree, and I think this Denver team's got a lot of heart, so I don't see them laying down. And I think they're, they are going to pose some problems because, like you said, Houston was such a physical series for the Lakers, and now they have a whole new set of problems and new obstacles with this Denver team. And since the turnover was so short, 24, 48 hours, it's very tough to, to all of a sudden change the way you play and, and gear it towards the style of Denver. And that showed immediately as the Lakers came out, found themselves 10, 15 points behind right away until Phil started making a few adjustments. But again, I'll stick to that quote. Denver's just not deep. Other than Anderson, Smith, and Carter, that's it. That's all their bench goes. Where the Lakers go 7, 8, 9, 10 deep at times. So I think that's going to play a, a huge role as this series goes forward. I don't want to detract from anything Denver's done. I give them a lot of credit. But let's look at their first two series. They beat up a, a battered, soft Hornets team. That was really a one-man team. Then they go in and play a soft Dallas team. They've yet to play a physical team. Now they're, they're stepping up, uh, I think, way up in class with the Lakers compared to the two other teams they beat. I don't see Denver getting it, it, it done. And if you want to look at it from being a real cynical point of view, does the league want Denver playing Cleveland in the championship? Don't they want the West Coast huge market with Kobe Bryant against LeBron James? Oh, absolutely. The all the conspiracy theory people will be out there in full force for, you know, the Cleveland Laker matchup. Yeah, that's what everyone wants to see. But, I mean, let's look at it. Historically, Denver has a very small chance of advancing. You lose game one when you're the road team of a series in the NBA, you lose that series about 85% of the time. VR, let's back this up a second. You know, Marco threw out the conspiracy theory type of thinking. I'm not normally, you know, one of these conspiracy type people. However... Unlike baseball and the NFL, I do not trust the NFL, the NBA. I don't trust them. And they've given you reasons to, sure. I'm still steamed over getting screwed with that under on the Mavericks game when that referee didn't call it obvious foul. I don't feel I don't feel I get a fair shake with the NBA, so I don't completely discount that. No, I don't see the Nuggets advancing. There's too much against them. Yeah, I agree. And uh, the conspiracy theory, the truth is, I'm not one who believes that. I mean, uh, sometimes 
you, some things happen, and to me it's more coincidence, especially when you look at the four representatives. Other than L.A., you have Orlando, Cleveland, and Denver, not the biggest markets in the country, even though Cleveland is becoming one of them teams because of LeBron that everyone wants to see, but they're not big cities, you know? They're not teams, you know, that, that are going to create that kind LeBron, of buzz. Tra- LeBron transcends That's any key. small market thing. That's You're true. He's the You're right. best player in the NBA. The world wants to see him on the biggest stage. LeBron is as big as Michael Jordan was already, uh, really. I mean, he's in commercials everywhere. I mean, he, he's the most recognizable face of the NBA. Yeah, but just the, just the fixed part, you know I mean? Like, would they have really allowed the Lakers and Houston to get to a game seven and risk the Houston advancing, you know, if they were going to fix no, it? Or have fixed. Orlando beat Boston, who Boston's a big market team, you know? They would have came in and called every foul in Orlando in that game seven, and it just didn't happen that, wouldn't that way. That would help Boston. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. All right, <laughs> moving on to the Cleveland. Let's give a little preview of Cleveland, Orlando. And um, first off, I'm going to say for, you know, we are taping on Wednesday. So those of you that do get to listen to us on Wednesday, uh, Stephen Nover, he has been solid all year. He's an NBA expert. And this guy just doesn't release a lot of really big plays. But Stephen, tonight, you really got a strong opinion in game one. And it's on a total, something that you've absolutely owned um, all year. You've been solid in the NBA with the totals. You want to quickly tell us, uh, you know, don't, don't give up your side but you know tell us what you got tonight well you can attack these game ones one of two ways you can kind of sit them out and and kind of observe and that's what I did in this game one of the Nuggets and the Lakers Uh, or you can get involved if you think there's some value with the line where you're seeing a certain number that you don't think you'll get the rest of the series and that there's certain handicaps at play that are unique to this specific setup which I in my opinion strong opinion believe there is for this game one Okay, well, I'm going to wish you the best of luck with that. VR, moving to this series. Orlando, they have a prayer in this series at all? Uh, to advance, I don't think so. And I know everybody's saying how well they played against Cleveland this year. You know, they, they've beat them twice already. They've covered nine of the last ten versus Cleveland. I understand all that. Truth of the matter is, I thought so going in. Cleveland's not going to get tested until they play the Western representative. No team in the East is good. None of them. And with Cleveland having a 43-2 and home record and being the home team in this series, I just don't see any way they don't advance. Now, could Orlando make it a series? Absolutely. Anything could happen if Cleveland looks ahead. But so far, they haven't showed that to me. They've been winning by double digits, so they're taking everyone seriously. They've closed out series on the road instead of going back for a game five at home. So that tells me a lot also. You know, they have that maturity level. Let's get it done and let's move on. And if they come prepared like that, Orlando could be in a little bit of trouble. Well, the thing that bothers me with Orlando, and again, you look at how teams advance to get where they're at. You know, Orlando had trouble with Philadelphia. And, you know, they had both, you know, two of the losses, they had double-digit leads in which they blew them. You know, they managed to get by Philadelphia, a team that, again, that was a team that was battling to get in at the end, you know, the you final two weeks there, of the sure. season. And then they move on and they play Boston. And although it was a great seven-game series and, you know, Boston is the defending world champs, let's face it, they're not the same team without Kevin Garnett. And, you know, they – Again, Orlando, why they do this so many times, they have those droughts for long periods of time where they don't score and they blew big leads in in, in games. And But 
they got the game they needed. They played a perfect game, and that might spur them on, give them some confidence against Cleveland. But LeBron and company, to me, they're on a mission. LeBron, this is he's got to get it done right now because I don't know how long they can keep that team intact for him. It's going to cost a lot of money to keep LeBron in Cleveland if they do it. Well, uh, credit to Orlando to go into Boston in Game Seven. I don't care if Boston was missing all their players; it's still, you know, Game Seven, it, and it, all them stats an were. It's an achievement to go into Boston and win a Game Seven. However, now we have some data to look at in the playoffs. The Magic had a tough series with the Seventy Sixers, who do not play good perimeter defense. Then they go in there seven games with Boston, and, and let's face it, Boston is just a shadow of themselves the Celtics are a shadow of themselves defensively without Kevin Garnett and you know that went seven games now you're asking Orlando to beat Cleveland which has one of the LeBron has had one of the greatest seasons ever Uh, he's got a strong point guard Uh, the intangible with Cleveland is their team chemistry it is excellent what does Orlando have uh Outside wing guys who can be effective when they're on. They're not always, you can't always count on them. Dwight Howard, who's a talent, a huge talent in the middle, but uh, prone to foul trouble, is a, has some maturity issues, a weak bench, a coach who I don't uh, like very much in Stan Van Gundy, and a very weak point guard. I am not a Ray for Alston fan. Do you guys think because Orlando has played Cleveland so tough? Throughout the years, the last, you know, pr- currently the last two, three years, and this year, do you think that's going to motivate? No, 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 but do you think that teams. that's going to motivate Cleveland to really show up for this what, one what and motivation? blow teams out? Uh, at this stage, there's always total motivation. They don't have to go back to any kind of regular season. I, I think, uh, unless these guys were playing just a couple weeks ago and, and the game meant something, you can throw all that stuff out. Okay. These are two entirely different teams, VR, in my opinion. Right, right. No, no, good. I, that's what I was just wondering if that gives you any, you know, if, if, if if you've been blowing a team out always historically, you go in pretty confident. And yet, if you've had trouble against a team, you go in more cautious. And that's what I was wondering. If you think Cleveland's going to come in with that, let's get this done. This team, if they hang around, they've I think been dangerous. It, I think the point you're going where I'm reading from it is Cleveland's going to come out in game one and set the tone. If Cleveland does not come out in game one from pillar to post and you know put this team in their place – then you can have that start to creep into the back of your mind. If Orlando hangs around, then you say, you know, this team is just our Achilles heel. The, you know, it's the one team. So they, they need to make a statement. They meet, need to make it in game one, and, and I really think they probably will. Um, the biggest difference to me of this Cavalier team, and, you know, everybody keeps saying, you know, LeBron is the best player in, in basketball. I've said that for the last two years you know finally he's got his mvp award the difference in lebron james's game this year as opposed to any other year he's taken his defense to the absolute next level i mean he's yeah. always been a pure scorer. he is playing on both sides of the, of the court and i think that's going to be the difference that gets this team over the hump and maybe finally get cleveland a, a championship uh they've been so long since they've had any have they ever had a championship of any kind in cleveland any sport? well the old browns teams but a, an actual world championship uh, well like the browns in uh, uh 64 i believe they they won the champion you know, <laughs> but you know in, in, the, in the 50s and the 40s with paul brown but you know that's really way going back. way back and marco you're so right lebron james playing defense i think has forced the team to play defense we all say about how good offensively cleveland is but it's their defense they're number one in, in points allowed 
number two in field goal percentage allowed, number one in three-point field goal percentage around, which is number huge, four which in is rebounding. Huge against Orlando to be number one in defensive three-point field goal percentage defense and rebounding. That's, huge. I, that's what I, I, a lot of people don't give him credit, and you're absolutely right, Marco. That that's one of the things that I think we overlook with this Cleveland team is that they have played tremendous defense this year. When you see your superstar getting dirty you know yeah yeah you gotta say you know i gotta bring my a game you Uh know when the superstar is not afraid to roll up his sleeves and and dig in you're right there with him well this we better enjoy lebron james because he's really on a mission and let's say he gets his ring let's say he goes to the knicks or some other team where he maybe he's not as hungry the chemistry is different it may be a whole entirely different lebron james in the future so you may as well enjoy this guy right now because this could be his prime, his greatest moment. I ever. just, I'm not, excuse, I just want to see how good they really are when they play the Western Conference because against the East, they just haven't been tested. And I want to see are they that dominant? Well, you don't think Atlanta and Detroit tested them? <laughs> World beaters. <laughs> I think they held those two teams think, to 78 points average. I think we could find five in this office and go six games with either one of them. Well, RJ says he's got a hell of a jump shot, so uh, you know we'll find out. And a three-inch vertical. okay well guys that's going to wrap up the first segment very good segment and uh we're going to be back when we get back we're going to talk some baseball and some teams to watch and and oh yes steven i think we have some things to talk about with you and me we'll be back in one moment for the best deals from trusted sportsbooks visit pregameaction.com all right guys we're back segment two And we are going to be talking some baseball. And, you know, this is the time of the year. Things start heating up. Uh, We're heading into the dog days of summer here, Memorial Day weekend. And also, we have something that some handicappers like, some handicappers don't like. But we have our first weekend of interleague baseball. And I'm going to throw it out to our panel. And we'll talk a little bit of interleague and see if we do anything differently when we do interleague. Uh, let's start with Vegas Runner. Uh, do you like interleague play? Yeah, in the pay, I, a lot of betters get intimidated by it, or you know, they, they just go in. I believe with a negative attitude towards it and you can't just you can't approach your handicap in that way you got you know when you handicap you have to go in there feeling that you're in control and and not the other way around and I think that's the number one deterrent of interleague myself I don't have a problem with it because you know me I like to handicap regardless the sport Um, so interleague doesn't mean much to me but I do change things up Um, because I'm a numbers guy when it comes to baseball and I like to power rate offenses power rate starting pitching defenses now I have to compare it against the league as opposed to against the American League or National League meaning now when I break down uh, the Cleveland Indians offense I need to compare it to the whole Major League Baseball and not how they compare to the American League, whether they're you know above or below the American League average. Now I have to see how they compare when you take in all of Major League Baseball. That's the biggest transition for me. And knowing going in that there's not a history there, um, so you, you pretty much have to do it based on numbers and look on an edge based on public perception. Well, I'll agree with you. I don't do anything different when it comes to interleague play because – 
uh, you know, numbers are numbers to me. And, you know, I'll handicap in baseball more so than any other sport. I think, you know, straight statistical handicapping, you know, comes into play more than any other sport, at least in my handicapping. Uh, the two variables that you do have that I think you have to make some adjustments for is when they're playing in, you know, a DH city um you know, you, you've got to make a little bit of adjustments because obviously most of your offensive numbers are going to be less on a National League team than an American League team because, you know, basically you're, you're batting eight players a game instead of nine. Uh, so you got to factor that in. And the other thing, and before we uh, started taping today's podcast, uh, was talking with Steven before the show, and when you have the interleague play between inner cities, the the direct rivalry like the Chicago White Sox, Cubs, uh, yeah, yeah it, Yankees, Mets, and stuff, you got to look a little bit differently. And I told Stephen that it, when you handicap those games, sometimes you have to throw stats out a bit because it's almost like Thanksgiving weekend in college football when you have the rivalry weekend. You know, stats all the time don't mean things because you got emotion. You got, you know, the underdog has something to prove. You know, they're always playing in the shadow of the other team and and they want to show they're the top dog, so to speak. Oh, Markle, you're really buying into this media stuff. Uh, the Cubs are playing the White Sox. You think they put more emphasis on that than they would be if they were playing the Brewers or the Cardinals? Those are the big games. It's the media in these interleague games that, that put all this uh, uh, undue stuff. These games aren't even as important as division games. Yeah, but to a point, it, it does. I, I, I tend to lean towards Marco's opinion here a little bit, only because when you play that long of a season – Motivation is something I don't factor into the handicapping as much as I do in other sports. But there are them situations where you do have to put a little emphasis. Like you said, maybe Cubs-St. Louis, a little rivalry there. Um, And I think there are some interleague rivalries too. But now when you get Baltimore playing the Dodgers, sure, there's not that motivational you know, interest is not that that you're looking at when it's an inner city thing. So I think you have to at least give it a little bit, weigh it a little in your handicapping. So continuing with me and Steven sparring, I got to say, anytime you have a rivalry matchup, there's always a big brother and a little brother in the scenario, okay? Being that I was the youngest in my family and there was a big gap, but you always want to outdo your older brother. You can't tell me that the White Sox, who have won a, won a championship, and the Cubs have won, you know, nothing, but they're always second fiddle to the Cubs. It's the lovable Cubs. You don't think that that bothers the White Sox players, that when they have the chance to play the Cubs, that they're not a little more motivated than the Cubs are? And the same thing with the Mets and the Yankees. You, do you think the Mets get the same play in New York that the Yankees do? You got to you know listen to the drama every day of the New York Yankees. Oh, these guys are pros. They read the tabloids every day. And as far as the you know the White Sox wanting to really beat the Cubs because the Cubs get most of the media attention. Okay, uh, sure, you can say all the players are motivated. The bottom line is whoever's on the hill for the White Sox, Burley, Danks, if they have a good game, they'll probably win. If they don't, they'll probably lose. So <laughs> you throw all that motivation out. These guys play 162 games. What are we going to do with him, VR? <laughs> <laughs> okay. well, you can admit I'm right. That's what you can do. <laughs> well, okay, let's move to another subject. Can anybody tell me what the Pittsburgh Pirates have been doing lately? <laughs> On fire. <laughs> and a dog. Can anyone tell me who the Pittsburgh Pirates have been playing lately? 
Well, you know, in a 30-day period, you know, when we started this uh, wager, you know, for those of you listening this week, you know, Stephen and I have a running wager. It started two weeks ago, and right now, uh, Stephen jumped out to a, you know, a 5-0 lead and, you know, was serving up the crow for me last week. Found out my tires were almost slashed. Yeah, but uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates have gone on a 6-2 and two run, so the bet stands at 6-7, and seven, which when you take the juice in there, because the Pirates are dogs all the time, uh, we're about even all almost and um, closing fast and the bet is we've got a friendly wager for lunch uh but you know it's going to be a big lunch uh for if playing the pittsburgh pirates for 30 straight days if you will show a profit or not and i have the pirates and steven says that i'm insane well, Mark will very intelligently uh, check the schedule ahead of me and said oh washington nationals washington, yeah. <laughs> and then Markle has some kind of hidden influence with the line makers to make the Washington Nationals favored every game. I mean, that, that's just crazy. They shouldn't be favored against anybody. Well, you know what? I, I you know, it is what it is, Stephen. But seriously, talking about baseball, uh, Stephen, do you have any teams that uh, impressing you right now or surprising you? Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, other than the Pittsburgh, and they are scoring runs lately too. Uh, might point that out. Uh, they got their hitting back, but uh, I tell you, there, there's a couple surprise teams to me. Uh, and do you guys feel that they will be able to carry this, you know, the distance? And the two surprises to me out of the gate are Texas and Milwaukee. We got a National League team and American League. Texas is winning. When you think of Texas, automatically you always think scoring. I mean, they've always had a, a lineup that could score a lot of runs, but. What surprises me about Texas right now, they're actually getting some quality pitching. And if if that quality pitching can continue, you know, and they continue to hit the way they always hit, this team could, you know, could be here still in September. Both of them teams, Marco, are, are two of the top five moneymakers in baseball. If you just flat bet them this whole year, you'd, have won a, oh, you'd be about over 20 units up. Um, just don't bet them two teams. So the, the market definitely hasn't caught up with them yet. I think Milwaukee has a lot better chance of sustaining it for this reason. They've been able to do it across the whole National League. We're looking at Texas. They've built this record beating up the American League West. And as we all know, this year's version of the American League West isn't as strong as in the past. Not that it has been in the past, but before you could depend on the Angels being there. And this year you can't. When you, you look at Oakland 14 and 22, Seattle 18 and 22, um, it, it's not too hard to build up a positive, a winning record when playing those kind of teams. When you look when they're out of their division, you know, they're about 500. So that I need to see how they're going to play away. And, and these next two weeks, are critical they're playing on the road they're playing some tough games so I think that's going to show me if they are for real Milwaukee on the other hand 12 and 7 at home 13 and 7 on the road so they could do it either way they've got a winning record against everyone except the west where I think they're like three and four or four and four so and the central they're doing it against the Cubs St. Louis Cincinnati, even Pittsburgh's only 18 and 21. So, I mean, that's a tough division. The question is, are they all going to be beating each other up throughout the year that come September, what's left of the representative won't be enough to advance to a World Series? I think that's the question we need to ask. It's a little early, but looking at betting on a team like that in future wagers, I think that's the question you need to ask. Well, 
Go ahead, I, I think that the time right now is to fade the Brewers. We're, we're doing the, the show on Wednesday. They have been playing great, but ne- now's the time to fade them. Uh, losing Richie, Richie Weeks for the season, that, that's just a killer. I mean, he was finally living up to his vast potential. Now they don't have a leadoff hitter. They had Corey Hart batting leadoff. I will go on record as saying Corey Hart is the worst player ever to make the All-Star game in the history of the All-Star game. This guy is just dreadful. Uh, Hoffman, their closer, has been the nuts. Uh, but what's he going to be like in September at his age? Jason Kendall's on another pace to catch 140 games. What's he going to be like in September? Uh, David Bush has thrown six straight quality starts. He's not going to keep that up. His history certainly doesn't show that. So I think um, the Brewers are, are not going to be able to keep up this pace. And as far as Texas, yeah, I've been surprised by their pitching, and I've also been surprised by their fielding which traditionally has been bad. It's been very good this year. But, you know, the weather starts really getting hot there in Arlington. They have a history of not being able to keep up. And uh, so, you know, I, I wouldn't surprise me if they became a fade also. I think that between those two teams that um, I'm going to disagree with Stephen, which I'd like to do, but I think Milwaukee, for? I, I, Milwaukee, I think, has a better shot of sustaining what they're doing just because of their pitching staff. I think from top to bottom, the Milwaukee – starting pitchers are deeper than Texas. Uh, you know, Texas starts with, you know, Millwood, and he's had a history of injuries over his career. Um, I just think Milwaukee with their lineup, I agree. Bush is pitching over his head right now, and uh, that was one of my losses last night. I went against Bush uh, on the road. But situational-wise, I think Milwaukee – fundamentally is the better team all the way around. And they've built a foundation. I mean, this team didn't just come out of nowhere. The last couple years, they've been extremely competitive, and it looks like they've been waiting to break through, and they just haven't been able to do it down the stretch. Something would always go wrong with them. So it's not like they're here by accident. They are a a, a good team. Um, but again, they play in a tough division, and I think that that's one of the downsides to them. And what Steven said, losing weeks is huge because he's been solid for them year in and year out. He bats up near 300. You know, he gets on base, he crosses the plate, and I think losing your leadoff guy, like Steve said, is, is something that that will hurt them. And I think they need to figure out what they're going to do about that. Are, are you looking also at the rest of their lineup uh, at catcher? Absolutely no no offense there. Second base without weeks the drop is to Craig Council no offense there uh, center field Mike Cameron a very empty batting average right field Corey Hart very empty batting average the Brewers are not good at manufacturing runs they need power to do it and they got four weak spots in their offense and their pitching just isn't strong enough to carry that no you're right it, it, they have been doing it with defensive pitch and pitching and they haven't been doing it with offense I mean they're 22nd in major league baseball and batting average they are in, in the top 10 in in, in runs, but they're a they, station to station team. Yeah, and it's yeah. very hard to maintain Sus- that. Yeah, you can't sustain that. You're absolutely right. And they depend on Braun and Fielder. Right, and, and they're and, two great hitters, but I mean they can't carry four weak spots in the offense. I I, I agree. It, they're away a from me saying go ahead and put a future wager on them. The uh, two team, the last two teams I'm going to mention. Um, are you guys surprised uh, the Dodgers are able to maintain what they're doing uh, with Manny out? No, I, I said that. I put it on Twitter, and the first three days I got a lot of backlash because they had lost right with Manny. 
And, you know, I, I said you can't jump to conclusions right away. It is one player. As big of a player as he is, baseball is a team sport. You know, you, you got different pitchers each night. You got a bullpen. You, you know, one guy isn't going to produce all your offense, nor is he going to get you all your Ws. Um, so I, I thought that people were jumping the judgment. More importantly, Look at their division, Colorado, Arizona, San Diego, San Francisco. I mean, I think they could sit two more players and still be above 500 when it's all said and done. So, of course, are they a better team with Manny? Absolutely. If they are going to get to the World Series or or even the playoffs, they're going to need him to come back strong to be that cohesive unit. But I don't think they're as bad without him as – People jump to. to I, I agree. Assume. There's a trade-off. Okay, you lose Manny, you lose the power, you you lose that cachet there in your lineup. What do you? You get something back though. You get better defense. You get more speed. So there's a trade-off with that. I'm going to say two words, Joe Torrey. Yeah, exactly. And he's shown that with Yankee teams back when he was there, you know, when when a, a, a lo- lose a player to free agency or an injury and someone steps up, becomes a big name. And like Steve said, when you look at, at what they have in, in their outfield with, with Pierre, Ether now and Kemp, I don't think that's a, a bad yeah, threesome I mean, out there. And Marco's right. Torrey is the, the type of manager that perhaps the Dodgers need. It's a real good fit there where he keeps the even keel and uh, – you know, takes the the pressure away from them and uh, being in the big in the big and, market. Uh, more importantly, the Dodgers are a team that's done it without the long ball. They're twenty third in Major League Baseball in home runs, so they've been doing it by getting guys on base and getting them across the plate. And one guy doesn't do that to, for you when you're home run dependent and you lose your big gun, you're in a lot of trouble. But when you're a team that manufactures runs and gets base runners on, I think you have a better chance to maintain success if one of your guys go well, down. Did you watch Manny trying to patrol left field at Dodger Stadium? <laughs> exactly. I mean, he gives up a lot of runs that he gets. Like he did in Boston. If he was a hockey player, he'd be in the minus column. Like he did in Boston, yeah. exactly. But that was an easier, Manny being that was Manny. An smaller field there. You know, he's you know you really can't have him out there. I didn't. I never thought he was that good of a fit um, defensively for the Dodgers and, and for that stadium. But you know, he had that that cachet. You know, the fans really started picking up on him, and he gave him a spark. And he's still a really good hitter. Now we'll see what kind of hitter he is no. post uh, steroids. He's or a defensive liability, absolutely. I That's mean, putting it kindly. Yeah, That's, uh, absolutely. Hey, you think the Yankees regret uh, getting rid of Joe Torre? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Girardi's been not not a good fit at all. No, I don't think so either. The last team, and I think there's going to be value here, they started the season out slow, and all of a sudden you look up on May 20th in a team that struggled all year. Their ace from last year has done absolutely nothing. And lo and behold, in the National League East. I know who you're going to say. The Philadelphia Phillies are in first place. I knew you were going to say that. You know, and you want to know why? They have the best record in baseball on the road. That's what it is, 13-4, and four, baby. The, the to be able to fills. win on the road. And, you know, if Hamels, you know, finds, you know, finds his form from last year, you know, they're, they're gonna, they look like they can repeat. They can, you know, it's not a real strong national league. Last year, if you remember, uh, that was a team that I was really high on. And, I mean, they, they 
made me some great money come playoff time. I had them every series, and, and I mean, so I, I love that team. And I thought this year they would take a step back because you just won a World Series for a city that hadn't won one in, in a long time. Um, so that was a big accomplishment. But what I like about this Phillies team is that this year they haven't done it with pitching at all. I mean, their pitching is doing nothing. They're 27th in ERA. They're ranked near the bottom in Ks, in whip, in quality starts. And yet, they're in first place in their division. When that quality pitching comes around, when that bullpen comes around, what's this team going to do? I mean, look at them. They're they've number one in the league in runs. So this year, they're doing getting it done more with offense. When that pitching does come around, this could be a very dangerous and live team. Yeah, certainly, uh, you know, the pitching, I think Hamels is starting. He's getting healthy, and, and he could uh, show who, you know, the caliber of pitcher that he is. And uh, uh, Utley hasn't been 100%, and Jimmy Rollins is having a terrible season. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to come back to his normal level, and they've been doing this with Brad Leach blowing up in the bullpen a few times. And so, yeah, I mean, it's pretty scary. They're, they're in first place, and they're not even playing near as capable as they, they and should And not be. even 500 at home. Yeah, definitely some value with them, I think, in the coming weeks. Well, that's very good uh, second segment, guys. We're going to be back here for the third segment, our popular segment. We're going to give away a coupon for you guys and, of course, our free picks, and we will be right back. For free real-time odds, lines, and scores, visit pregamelines.com. Okay, welcome back to segment three. This is Marco D'Angelo, and this is our favorite section of the podcast is when we talk about the weekend with some free picks for you guys and we give away some of rj's money i know that's my personal favorite part of the podcast and uh, we're going to give away a ten dollar coupon as we do each and every week and you can get ten dollars by using since it's memorial day weekend we're going to go memorial day 10 memorial day 10 just type that in all one word in the number 10 and you will get ten dollars off go to the checkout purchase anything you want to purchase here at pregame pros and put it in your shopping cart and when you check out you'll see a spot to enter the coupon code put memorial day 10 in and you'll receive ten dollars off on your purchase and that coupon is a one-time use and it's good through monday now, this is the time where we talk about somebody hot on the site, and I want to tell you there's a capper, Stan Sharp. He has hit seven in a row. For those of you not familiar with Stan Sharp, he picks just one game a day, and the guy's had a phenomenal record. Two-plus years, he's hit 58%, documented by the Sports Monitor. You can check out Stan Sharp and all of our other red-hot cappers. Speaking of red-hot cappers, we're going to go to Vegas Runner for his free pick this week. And, VR, you're just knocking it out of the park right now. Yeah, I've seen things real clearly right now in both Major League Baseball and the NBA playoffs. I started off a little slow in the NBA playoffs, but uh, 11-4 and four in my last 15 picks and uh, starting to come around in baseball, too. The last two uh, baseball seasons – at pregame, I, I did a lot of damage, and I, I expect that to happen again. Uh, just started off a little slower this year, but uh, really starting to come around and, and seeing things clearly. This weekend, we also have a huge UFC card, 
which is here in town. And uh, those are the cars that I really like to exploit. I'm able to go down there. I'm able to see the way in. I'm able to talk to a lot of people that are in the mix. So I'm expecting to uh, drop some bombs in the UFC as well. But we're going to save that for later on in the week. And what I'm going to do today is pass along my NASCAR bets. I sat a Sat it out for about two weeks, two or three weeks in NASCAR um, because this year I just have not been able to hit a race. Good thing with NASCAR is if you hit a, two, three races a year, you could turn a profit as long as you find a good price. Um, and, and that's the positive of it. Uh, the negative is so far I haven't been able to do that. But we're heading into the Coca-Cola 600 this weekend. It's on Sunday. And this is a race that you got to look at the favorites, which is Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon. Johnson races for Lowe's Motor Speedway, uh, for Lowe's, excuse me, and this one's at Lowe's Motor Speedway. But I'm going to toss them two out. And instead, I'm going to look at two other drivers. I already put them up on my subscribers place for my clients. And I ask that you guys get down on these as quick as possible because when they do the qualifying, these guys should do well. They do well on these tracks, and I think the odds will come down. Um, This is an SMI track. The sister tracks to this kind of course is Las Vegas, Atlanta, Texas. That's where we're going to look. And the driver that did the best, I think, is Matt Kenseth. Also, this is a race that starts off as the sun starts to go down. So you got to do well during the day and at night. He showed me he could do that in Cali when he ran great as soon as the sun went down. So we're going to back Matt Kenseth at 15 to 1. He came in second last week. With two laps to go, he was in first. That was for a million dollars and the all-star. His team decided to take two tires instead of four, and he couldn't hold off Tony Stewart. I think that's enough motivation for him to come in and win this. We're going to back him up with Las Vegas' own, who's run well at every track, but his best run was at Atlanta. Again, a sister track of the one we're racing Sunday, and that's Kurt Busch, and he's at 12-1. to 1. Again, a definite underlay. So I went ahead and made a one-unit bet on Matt Kenseth at 15-1 to 1, and a one-unit bet at, on Kurt Busch at 12-1 to 1 for Sunday's Coca-Cola 600. That's the free picks for the week. All right. Thanks, VR. And we're going to switch it over to Stephen Nover. And, uh, Stephen, uh, how you been running and uh, what do you got for us? Well, I'm still trying to get my NBA turned around. Um, real, my best regular season ever, but my playoffs have been disappointing. However, I've got, a, uh, as you were kind enough to mention in an earlier podcast, Mark, I've got a very, very strong play on, on the Wednesday night game. Uh, baseball, I, I'm picking up. I'm having a winning May but my free play is more an advice thing, and that's to fade me in if I put out any interleague picks because <laughs> the last few years I've just been terrible with these interleague games. I've had a lot of trouble with them. And so my advice would be baseball is such a long season, and don't force anything this weekend. I, I think this, this interleague thing, and I'm a traditionalist, I think it's a kind of a bastardization of the game. It was a cheap way to try to boost up the popularity of baseball. I don't like it. I'm not very good at handicapping it, so uh, if we're going to stay involved with this the whole season, this would would be a good time actually to take a break. You know, you can watch the games, but this is Memorial Day weekend. Enjoy the family, get out, have a good time, just maybe get away from baseball for a little bit, and that would be my advice. That's why this, it's not the the interrupt. That's why these guys as real as they come in, and I love being at pregame because it's people like this that sell their their selections and offer their advice. What he's telling you is he's going to sit on the sidelines instead of putting up packages 
for them days and being able to earn a living, he re, he'd rather sit back and put out a package when he feels confident that anyone buying it is going to turn a profit. That is as rare as it comes for this kind of business. You know it better than I right. do, Marco. You've been around longer than I have. And to hear something like that from a guy that knows his shit when it comes to this business, for lack of a better word, um, I, I don't know, man. I'm, I, that is just, that's awesome, that's what dude. That's what sets pregame that's apart. Awesome. And, you know, when I came to pregame, you know, with RJ, you know, there was, you know, he had a mission goal in the cappers that we brought here had to fit a criteria and and that is it i mean that's professionalism and you know i commend you you know most guys they want to sell a pick and make a dollar but you know you're a true professional and the customers really should take note of that and you know when you say you've got something to sell that means you know you like the game and uh, your money's in action um switching over to me for my free pick uh I had a great 10-day run. Uh, I hit a brick wall Wednesday or Tuesday night um, with that first-round game of the uh, Western Conference Finals. Uh, I'll bounce back as I always do. But, you know, that's the thing about, you know, being a professional handicapper. you got to, you know, when you get knocked off the horse one day, you got to get right back up on that horse and do what you do. And that's how I've done it for 30 years. And uh, I'm going to give you a situational general action play for this weekend and i kind of gave you a little bit of a teaser there was two series that i actually looked at and i'm going to go ahead and and give you both of them Uh, i think there's value in both and i talked about some teams that were overlays underlays uh in the american league texas uh, I said it's going to come back to earth. I, you know, they're playing a little bit over their heads. The pitching's been, you know, really outperforming expectations. They're going to go into uh, play their in-state rival, Houston, on uh, interleague action, and they will be playing in a national league city. So we will have the, you know, the DL, which I'm sure that's another thing of being a purist that drives Stephen nuts. But uh, I'm going to take Houston in general action plays. Uh, to take at least two out of three of that series. So we'll have action plays on Houston all three games. And another big series in interleague play this weekend is going to be the Phillies are going to go into the Yankees. And the Yankees have put together a winning streak. Um, They did it against Minnesota. They won all of those games last weekend against Minnesota, four-game series by one run or extra innings. Uh, that generally could spawn the start of a winning streak for a team, really get them you know, going. But I still think this Yankee team is way overpriced. You got the best road team in baseball coming into the Bronx to play the Yankees in this series, uh, interleague play. I'm going to take Philadelphia. That ballpark should be suited for the Philadelphia hitters. I'm going to take Philly to come out of there there'll be a dog in all of those games take them to take two out of three in new york i think there's a lot of value there and those are going to be my free picks you guys have anything in wrapping up here final comments for the memorial day weekend i thought it was a great show it's a great time to be betting sports right now i mean uh, soon nba will be over and we'll just be having baseball for another two months but uh right now it's a great time heading into the nba finals uh, we didn't mention it, but I do want to congratulate the connections with Rachel Alexander for putting her into Preakness and dominating the boys. That is one super horse, and uh, be curious to see if she uh, tries the Belmont for the mile and a half. That's a big task, but uh, we got a lot of stuff coming in the coming weeks. Uh, once again, for Stephen Nover, Vegas runner, 
Marco D'Angelo uh, will be back next week. Regular host R.J. Bell will be back in the seat next week. And have a great week. And thanks for listening to the Sports Betting Preview Show, a pregame.com podcast.